passage open in your Bibles. Um, I've got a question for you to start, start with. What do you need in life? What do you need? Um, if you um, start typing everything you need uh, into Google, it's interesting to see what comes up after that. I did this. And um, what came up? Everything you need for a hamster. Everything you need to start tattooing. Everything you need for a baby. Everything you need uh, for a puppy. Uh, and um, none of those were very helpful to me because uh, <laughs> what, what, I, um, what I'm really getting at is what, what is everything that you need in life? And what, what are the most important things to have sorted? The Bible's answer is very simple. Everything you need is Jesus. Jesus is everything you need. That's what I think the, the passage today is leading us to. The beginning of um, a new year is a time both to look backwards and to look forwards, isn't it? And actually our passage today does the same thing. In it, Simeon and Anna provide a model for us looking back at the whole sweep of history, really, um, at what Jesus fulfills and looking forward to all that he will accomplish. And so that's what we're going to do as well for the next 25 minutes or so. Uh, First, uh, we're going to look back. And it's not an overstatement to say that Jesus is actually the fulfillment of all of history. Jesus is the fulfillment of all of history. Have you ever wondered, if, if you're a Christian believer, have you ever wondered why there was so much of history before Jesus arrived? Have you ever wondered that? Such a long time before God provided his son. Such a lot of history. Here's why. All of history was necessary preparation for this moment. All of history was so that this could happen. That's how Simeon understands things. Listen again to to his experience that we just heard. Um, Simeon, he's a righteous, devout man in Jerusalem. He was, verse 25, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was on him. God was uh, specially with him and had specially revealed, verse 26, that he would not die before he'd seen the Lord's Messiah, uh, the Lord's chosen, anointed one. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. I can die happy now. That's it. Everything that my life was about is done. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you prepared in the sight of all nations. A light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. Now perhaps um, as I was reading that out, you were thinking, okay, this is a really big deal for the Jewish people. Perhaps for religious people generally. You might not be religious at all. I'm really glad you're here if you're not. But this sounds like a really big deal for Israel. The consolation of Israel. The Lord's uh, Messiah. uh, The Jewish chosen one. Israel's promised king. 
And all of this is happening in the middle of Jewish temple worship. Uh, the glory of God's people, Israel. But for those who aren't Jewish, it may, it may not seem that big a deal. Uh, now, um, at this point, I'm going to tell you something that, that I found out this week. I think it's pretty exciting. Uh, something about myself. I had no idea before, but actually, I'm Jewish. <laughs> Don't laugh, it's actually true. I, um, I found out this week that um, uh, my mum my mom is Russian. Uh, her family have lived in Russia for, for generations. In communist Russia, uh, Jewish families often kept hidden that they were Jewish. And it turns out, uh, my mum's mum, who died when my mum was little, little uh, was Jewish, even though she'd hidden it. And um, that means that I am Jewish. It passes through the mother's line, uh, which means that our children aren't. Uh, but I am Jewish. And... Um, that doesn't actually mean that as I read this passage I get any more excited than anyone else. But this was the Jewish Messiah. The reason that that's, exciting, that's not more exciting for me than for you is because it actually doesn't give me any spiritual advantage over anyone else. But actually, although that's true now, the Jewish people had been chosen out of all of the peoples on earth. If you've been here the last few months, uh, you'll have got that as we looked at the person of Abraham, uh, the, the um, father of the Jewish nation, uh, the one through whom God promised to bless the whole world uh, through his descendants, his family, the Jewish people. So actually, the whole world needed the Jewish people, or rather the Jewish promise the one who's going to come and fix the mess that we all find ourselves in. Because, let's be honest, the world isn't a mess, isn't it? Yeah? The world isn't a mess uh, without Jesus. Before I was, I was a Christian, I think I basically saw the world as chaotic, unpredictable, and random, random chance. Anything, this could happen or that could happen, and it's all um, a, a swirling mass of coincidences and the survival of the fittest, you know, the strongest, the most persuasive, the most clever, whatever, they, they win. But that is not the Bible's view of history. It is not a just a, a swirling, chaotic mess. The Bible says that history came from somewhere and is heading to somewhere. Or rather, actually, the Bible says that history came from someone and is headed towards someone. You see, in the beginning, God created humanity in order to share his life and love, to share his role of, of ruling and creating and delighting in creation. That's what humanity was for. But humanity, the whole of humanity, said no to God. And listen to that snake, the devil, instead, who promised that they could be gods themselves, that humanity could live as self-created, self-ruling, independent beings. But he lied, because there is no life other than with God, and there is no God but one. So when Adam and Eve turned from God, God told them, astonishingly, even though they turned away from him, that they could still have something of his life and love and creation. And in fact, they could have children and grandchildren and still fill the earth. 
and that one day one of their descendants would crush that serpent and his lies forever. And so history began. The story of this world was from there. And humanity tried a thousand different ways of creating a life apart from God. Now, can any children here remember a story in Genesis where human beings tried to build something apart from God? The Tower of Babel. Brilliant. Does anyone remember how that finished? Did it end well? No, you're right, it didn't. Uh, it didn't end well at all. And actually, um, it wasn't just the Tower of Babel that, that didn't work. Every uh, life that, that human beings try to create a, a, apart from God eventually topples down. Every community that they build is eventually scattered. And evil reigns. That is, until God took this one man, Abraham, who couldn't have any children... Uh, who was, um, he and his wife were so old uh, that the Bible describes them as as good as dead. And he brought, God brought new life out of them. New life not just for them and their family, but for the whole world. New hope of a life with God, with his promises. And that was the Jewish people, as they would become. And from this one family would come the one who could right the wrongs of the whole world, the one who had crushed the serpent in his lies. And God gave this people, this family, a glimpse of life with him, of what life should be with him, as he shared with them his promises and his protection and his perfect character in his law, his perfect holiness and his sense, his power in the redemption miracles, and his prophets to speak to his people. And all of this, all of that history was to create an understanding in the world, a framework in the world of what it will take for God to sort out the mess that we've got ourselves in. That is what all of history, BC, was for. And Simeon understood that. And so when God supernaturally told Simeon that he wouldn't die before he'd see the Messiah, the one who could right all the wrongs, the one who had crushed the serpent in his lies, that was everything for him. And that's why Simeon sings his song. That's why he says there's nothing more that this world can give him. He can die happy because he's seen now that he's met the Messiah, the end of history, its goal, its purpose, its fulfillment. Jesus is everything we need because he's the fulfillment of all of history. And that, by the way, is, is why there's such an emphasis in these verses. Uh, did you notice, uh, as Amber read it for us, an emphasis on Jesus fulfilling everything in the law Verse 22, when the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to the temple to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Then again, verse 27, 
And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required. Uh, then uh, later on, verse uh, 39, when Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee. In other words, Jesus is fulfilling the law, not just keeping what the law demands, but in a bigger way, fulfilling the law. Here's what the law is pointing towards, what the, the, the law, the, the Old Testament, describes. Jesus is the climax of the story of the Bible, everything in the Old Testament, and all of human history, everything that is written in God's words, everything that is written by God's works, is fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Finally, the saviour, the solution to the mess of the world, has arrived. So what, what, where does that leave us? What about us? As we look at Simeon and Anna, uh, the thing that they're most characterised by in this story is waiting, isn't it? They were really good at waiting. Uh, Simeon, verse 25, was waiting for the consolation of Israel. Uh, Anna um, uh, was, uh, verse uh, 38, um, uh, rather, sorry, verse 37, and never left, left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Uh, verse 38 implies that that is for the redemption of Israel, for the one who had come to save. Anna and Simeon were waiting. I think these days we're not so good at waiting. Uh, we want things to be sorted out instantly. If not, we try and find another way around. I always do that. If, I, if ever we get to a traffic jam, Alice and I are quite different in this. If ever we get to a traffic jam, I'll instantly, you know, even if it's just you know, a few cars, I'll instantly be trying to think, is there another way around that I can skip this waiting? Um, cues are not, are not my uh, favourite thing. I'm not very good at adverts. Thankfully, um, you know, now we watch most of our telly on Netflix or whatever. Uh, we avoid adverts. But adverts, I find the most infuriating thing because you're just about to find something, you know, find out what happens in the story and then you've got to wait. Uh, it's, um, uh, it's not great. Children, do any of you struggle to wait for anything? Anybody, anybody struggle to wait their turn for something, for something fun? Anyone struggle to wait... Uh, when there's chocolate or sweets that you can't have yet. Anyone struggle to wait for those things? Uh, anyone have anything else they struggle to wait for? What do you find it hard to wait for? You also find it hard to wait Wait for dolls if someone else is playing with them, yeah. The end of church. Is that because there's cake at the end of church? You're doing your cheeky face, Daddy. But I also know that you struggle to wait for church. You get very excited on the morning of church. Anyone else? What do you kind of have to wait for? Everything. Everything. I, I feel that, Eleanor. It can be very hard to wait. But Simeon and Anna were waiting their whole lives. Now, you might be thinking, well, okay, but... They got what they were waiting for. Jesus arrived. It's done. No need for us to wait. Well, yes and no, I'm afraid. Uh, yes, Jesus has come. The Saviour has arrived. 
But he has left again. And he's going to come back. He's done everything necessary to sort everything out, but he hasn't yet sorted everything out. We're waiting for him to come back. So now, in a sense, our lives, like Simeon and Anna, are to be characterised by waiting. History has not yet ended. Its goal has arrived, the Lord Jesus Christ, but he is coming back to wrap history up soon. And our lives are not going to be sorted until that happens. Our lives will be filled with mess. If your life is anything like mine, it is filled with mess at the moment. Even if you're a Christian believer, he has not yet sorted everything out for you. There's pain, sin, suffering, struggle. That's what life will be like. Like Anna. I mean, look at how her life is described. You don't get lots of detail. She uh, had the joy of marriage for seven years and then lost her husband and was a widow waiting for God decade after decade. And yet her life was not wasted. It was not a terrible life. Despite that sadness and suffering, because she understood that what happened to her in the here and now was not the main event of history. Her life couldn't be ruined by losing her husband, or by anything else for that matter, because she was clinging on to God's very great and precious promises that God's people have always clinged on to, because that is everything she needed. Because Jesus is everything we need. You see, if we're going to wait for Jesus to come back, we've got to have perspective on ourselves, on our lives, on history. And we have to see that we are small pieces in a really big, amazing whole, and that Jesus is the focus of that whole. It's not that uh, Jesus or religion or whatever is a kind of another thing in the orbit around the big me. It's that we are little things in orbit around a very big Jesus. We need to get perspective. And that means uh, when we get perspective, we'll be able to wait. Children, this is for you too. You might not feel um, some of what I've been saying about life being a mess and uh, broken yet. But you might feel something about uh, life being about later. Do you ever feel this? About um, what I want to be or do when I grow up. Uh, when I'm in charge of my life. When I'm done with being a child. Do you ever get that sense that life is about later? What happens in the future? Actually, that is not just children who feel that. It's a feeling that everyone has, to some extent. Actually, it's a feeling that everyone ought to have. Because this life, here on earth, is actually about waiting for real life to start. When Jesus comes back, 
That's where history is heading. That's where our lives are heading. So, at first big thing, Jesus is the fulfilment of history. So wait for him. The second thing, much more briefly, is um, there in what Anna does when she meets Jesus. Look down at verse uh, 38. Coming up to them at that very moment, Anna gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. Uh, Here's the point that I want to make. Jesus, yes, he's the fulfilment of all of history, and so, second point, Jesus is the hope of all the world. Jesus is the hope of the world. Um, Simeon says this, verse 30, For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you've prepared in the sight of all nations, alike for a revelation to the Gentiles. Uh, the word Gentiles means everyone who isn't a Jew. I imagine, uh, mo- well, I was, I was going to say most of us, most of you. Um, uh, Gentiles is everyone who isn't a Jew, alike for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, of I- people Israel. Jesus is the salvation prepared through all of history in the sight of the whole world to reveal God's plan for the whole world. When Simeon um, has delighted in seeing history accomplished, uh, seeing the salvation that has come for the whole world in this one little baby, he turns to Mary and Joseph and says to Mary this very strange blessing, verse 34, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. I wonder, mums, how you... Uh, would feel if a prophet had said this to you when your baby was born. Becky, I'm assuming no one said this to you when Karis was born. Um, I imagine you'd feel a bit mixed, wouldn't you? Causing the the falling and rising of many, a sign spoken against, revealing hearts, a sword is going to pierce my soul? Of course, with hindsight... We see that the way that Jesus fulfills history is not just by coming down to earth from heaven, but by taking all of the ruin of humanity into himself. In order to restore the world from destruction, he would have to let the world destroy him first. He would have to fall and rise. And so because of Jesus, we can have resurrection hope that we might fall and rise. That's what that falling and rising is about. He has brought to us new, eternal life if we will die to ourselves. And this hope is not just for the Jews. This is a hope for everyone I wonder, as we say goodbye to 2023 and usher in 2024, have you grasped the magnitude of this hope? Once you see how big this is, it's as if nothing else matters standing next to this. 
every other hope, every disappointment shrinks. Because here is everything we need. Everything anyone could ever need. Have you ever had that experience? When you see someone you love suffering and you just think, I'd give anything to help them, to, to make it better. Life without God is eternal death. Life without God is where everything that is wrong in us, ungodly, not good, is magnified. It grows and grows until it cannibalizes all of the good inside us and there is nothing good or lovable left. That is spiritual death. Pure evil. The pain of becoming that is what the Bible calls hell. And Jesus saw us on the path to that place and he said, I would give anything to help you, to take that from you. And he did. He gave everything so that anyone might have life, even though they die, may, might have life, real life, life with God, where it's not the evil that is magnified and grows, but the good that it is magnified and grows and grows until it swallows up all of the evil, until there is nothing wrong left. So here's the point for us today. That doesn't happen automatically. Simeon and Anna both needed to say something. We've seen that Jesus is the fulfilment of all of history. He's the purpose of all of history. He is the hope of the whole world. But most people in this world have not seen or taken hold of that hope, have they? Many of our friends, our neighbours, our families have not seen Jesus is all that they need. But he is their hope. He's their only hope. And if they just take what he's giving, then they too, even though they fall, will rise to share in the life that God wants to give them. That he has given each of us if we are followers of Jesus Christ. So, if Jesus is the hope of the world, then here's what we've got to do. We've got to share him with the world, don't we? Who do you know who hasn't yet trusted in Jesus? What could you do to share the news that the solution to all of their problems has arrived? Could you invite them to church? It's not that hard to do. Bring them with you. Could you bring them along to that 321 discussion course that Neil was talking about? Which starts a week on Wednesday. Four Wednesday evenings isn't too much. For most people, even if they're nervous, even if they don't feel like they know anything. Listen, if anyone of you were, were suffering with, with a deadly disease, and I had the cure, 
however expensive, however painful, you would expect, you would desperately want me to share that cure with you, wouldn't you? Of course you would. And Jesus is the hope, the only hope of the world. Because he is everything we need. So live life waiting for him. And live life sharing him with the world. Let me lead us in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, thank that you gave your one and only Son for us, that we might live, live life as it's meant to be. Thank you that you are so patient. In all of history, you provided for us promises, understanding, a framework so that we could receive Jesus as our saviour. Please help us to wait for his return and to share him with everyone that we can. For we pray in his name. Amen.